Before we begin, I've got a quick announcement to give. That is, I have just finished the final touches on the ministry page that this blog slash podcast feeds into. That is Isaiah 118 Ministries. Some of you may already be there and are listening to this podcast on the website. Thanks. Please tell everyone you know about it as I really want to grow both the blog, the message, the podcast. Well, for those of you reading the blog, you've got the blog. Those of you who listen to the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and App and iTunes because those places will carry every episode. I also want to ask you to tell us about this and just keep this in prayer for God to just grow the influence and just keep me going with his messages that he wants me to give. So the blog will, I mean the website at Zayam 18 Ministries, you'll find both my podcasts which is originally a blog I wrote, which I've turned into podcasts. You'll find links to my books or books that will be written by other members of the team as the ministry grows. There'll be a link to able to purchase and also other resources that I get exposed to and I find worth linkable. Check it out on Isaiah118Ministries.org. That is Isaiah118Ministries.org. Now, on to the main subject. Here's the funny thing about scripture. It's impossible to read it without it having an influence on you. This is not just me saying things to say things. Instead, is what I have discovered from reading Isaiah. It actually says so in Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 55. It is proclaimed that the Lord's words will not return void. They will accomplish the task that he has set for them accomplished. It just may take a little while for the full impact of his words to be realized in your life. And I bring this up because I've been reading a lot of scripture lately. So last week I finished reading the prophet Isaiah and then Micah as well in the Old Testament. The interesting thing is these two books are contemporary, meaning Isaiah and Micah both lived in the same time of history. So during the same time, they were busy with their prophetic ministry, they were speaking the words God gave them, and they were delivering them to people who were meant to hear them. And God didn't intend for, let me rephrase that, I hadn't intended to read Micah, but God brought the words from chapter 6, verse 8, to my mind. We'll be getting to that verse at the later part of this podcast. But if you want to look it up, it's as Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And I want to read the full book to get the complete context of that verse. Because that's something important about your Bible. You want to read it, make sure you get the proper context. After I read Micah, God led me to Romans chapter 1. Then back again to Isaiah for some other details and verses. As I was reading all these scriptures, I got the impression that God is merely confirming the things I spoke about in our last podcast or blog, if you remember, if you read my blog, which these podcasts are just a audio version of that. And in that episode or post, depending on how you consume it again, I was calling out the pride which the USA holds for the sins that are being committed and how the society and culture proves of those who do these things. When I spoke in last time, I was using Isaiah 53, which shows how a people, when they turn away from Jesus Christ, 
who is also called Emmanuel, a name which means God with us, how when a nation turns from God, they will always turn to follow their own sinful nature and their sinful desires that come with it. Paul, in the second half of Romans chapter 1, gives us a list of some of the ways in which people have turned away from their turned away from God and to their sinful desires, various different sinful acts, and things like that. But the primary thing which we are to remember is the root cause of it. And it's what's referred to in verse chapter 25, describing humanity. And here's what he says about humanity. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Just think about that for a moment. There was an exchange, and the people gave one thing for another. They gave up the truth for a lie, and the creator for the creation. Because of this, they became slaves to their sin. Paul states this in Romans 6.6, and also Christ says this in John. He declares in John 8.34, it says, Jesus replied, after someone asked the little quick context, someone was asking Jesus questions, as they always do, and it says here, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, our society is starting to change to embrace the ways of the Lord again. And I get that impression from the overturn of Roe v. Wade. However, there's a vast pushback. Sorry, can't speak. There's a vast pushback. And I want to remind you about something that I've talked about in other podcasts and other blogs. And it's that the spiritual battle manifests through the actions of humans who follow the orders of their commanding officer. Or basically, depending on their spiritual alignment and allegiance, that is the behavior they will follow. Those are the people they will act in accordance to. Right now, the highlight is that there have been several attacks carried out against crisis pregnancy centers since May, right when the potential of Roe v. Wade being overturned was leaked. Right around that time, the crisis pregnancy centers and a few houses of worship started getting attacked. One group has recently arisen to take credit for them, or a group that's been called Jane's Revenge. And to my knowledge, I will be the first one to go on record and call them a domestic terrorist group. You're going to say I'm crazy, but hear me out. They are a group that was founded in the United States of America making them a domestic group, and they are taking violent acts to terrorize charities to help women raise their children. These acts of, of terror have included spray paint graffiti with slogans saying, if abortion isn't safe, neither are you. They have broken windows, they poured red paint on houses, doors, sidewalks, making it look like blood is coming out of the place, and other people, more extreme factions, of the group, if you can get more extreme than breaking places and vandalizing through through breaking and spray paint, there have also been people who committed acts of arson. And many of these actions carried out by different people across different states have all been claimed the credit of Jane's Revenge. Do I believe that there are members of Jane's Revenge who've actually done this? Uh, that's debatable, 
But do we believe that the group known as Shane's Revenge is taking credit for encouraging this? Yes. Now, these violent acts are meant to scare pregnancy centers into shutting down and closing their doors permanently. I don't know about you, that sounds like a domestic terrorist group to me. At the very least, their actions sound like a terrorist group's behavior. And here's the good news. Many of these places, these crisis pregnancy centers, are choosing to stay open despite the extreme attacks coming against them. And why is this so good? Is because crisis pregnancy centers provide free ultrasounds, counseling for people who are being with a non foreseen pregnancy. They give count, some of the places will give counseling for people who are struggling with depression after having had an abortion. Then there are also people who will. There are counselors on staff to help them with the worries and fears of having an unexpected pregnancy. And there are also people who will counsel them with the post-abortion regret and the trauma, grief, and all that stuff. I covered it in one of my previous episodes of the podcast, where I compared abortion as a forced miscarriage, done, which has a similar impact on the body, made depressive symptoms, and then it's compounded by the spiritual grief that comes from your conscience, which knows right and wrong, and convicts you of that wrong. But the crisis pregnancy centers, in addition to counseling, many of them also have abortion pill reversal treatments, which is a real thing. Some people will take the abortion pill, which I believe is a regimen of maybe two or three tablets, and there is a way of reversing it. There is a link on the website for the abortionpillreversaltreatment.com or .org, but basically go to Isaiah118.org, I mean Isaiah118ministries.org, and go to resources, and you'll see a link that says abortion pill reversal treatment. That will take you to the webpage to give you information. I don't know all the details about it, but I do know it saves 4,500 lives since it came out in the United States, and it's very important you get this if you're dealing with regret, if you're fearful, haven't taken the first, and now you're like, I don't want to do this, you're not without hope, get online, go to Isaiah118ministries.org, go to resources, and find the button that says abortion pill reversal treatment. Click that, it will take you to the site which has a lot of information about abortion pill reversal treatment. In addition to this vital life-saving treatments that are provided by the crisis pregnancy centers, they also will support material needs for the mothers. Now, if you compare that to a Planned Parenthood clinic and ask if they'll provide diapers, baby formula, and volunteers who want to work with the mothers to help them raise their child or many children in addition to the one on the way, I'm willing to bet 10 bucks they'll be shocked to hear you ask for that and then be told that they don't provide those services. Rather, you will be told they don't provide that services. And if, and I'm very doubtful that they'll have any way of helping you if you seek those services. Now, contrast that with the crisis pregnancy center, and you'll more often find them saying that they are not so much overburdened, but they have a lot of people, their supplies are limited, but what they have, they're willing to share, they're gonna to work to integrate you into their network of volunteers. 
because a lot of these places are run by volunteers. A lot of these places are run by volunteers who want to help the mother with their child and children, in addition to one that's on the way, and they really want to help these women. So here's a little something. If you want to test me in this by going to the centers and finding out, and you find out that I was right, and you really want to actually pay the 10 bucks, just give it to the Crisis Pregnancy Center as a donation. You have no idea what type of help that will be because they rely solely on local people giving to their coffers. And that $10 can go a long way, more than you could expect. Ten, you giving them the $10 is $10 more than they had before you gave it to them. So just think of it that way. Now, as I was talking about, the differences in the spiritual sides. The increase of violence by our enemy is what will happen when Christians stand up for what we believe, and when we challenge the forces of darkness, they get violent for a specific reason. It's because they know we can and will outlast them, because Satan, compared to God, has unlimited resources, whereas God has an unlimited resources, and thus, Satan will use the route of least resistance to extinguish us, as in Christians, those who follow the church. And he wants to extinguish us ASAP, which means as soon as possible. That's why he uses death and violence against us as his strategy. Now, if you know history, then you know that Christians will endure and overcome, while at the same time making strides to redeem our enemies, which is another way of saying, we make strides to convert our enemies by exposing them to the sacrifice of Jesus so that the words of God will allow the Holy Spirit to impact them. They will be impacted by the words of the Lord. That's what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Now, do not make the mistake of thinking you can predict how long these struggles will last. The struggles will last, there's no way of knowing exactly when it will end or when it will start, but know that it will not last forever. It will come to an end. Now, as you're thinking about this, I have a question to ask you. And it's also on my mind. Do you think that there will be a massive public outcry against these terrorists? Paul has a indirect answer to this question. And it comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 32. And remember, he's talking about those who are enslaved to their sins when he talks about this, when he says this thing. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 32. All did he know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. They not only remember, think about that. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. There are people who approve of those simple behaviors. Now, in the first draft of this post, I had a much longer segment detailing my reasons for why I didn't think we would see the Department of Justice taking any extra effort to stop these domestic terrorists. The only problem with that segment in the first draft is that it was far longer than what we, I've got now, and it detracts from our quote in Romans chapter 1. 
So here's the short version of what it originally written. Biden administration is pro-abortion. The Office of the United States President has influence over the Department of Justice, and there are many other departments which have seats in the President's Cabinet that also are influenced by the President. While I haven't done enough research to determine what the President can and can't do, it's not too much to say that he has some influence on them, that he will use the influence to bring about a result that he wants to have brought about. Primarily, I'm making a comparison to the criminal prosecutions that are being attempted when compared to the um, when we compare two different riots, one being the January 6th riot and the other being the George Floyd riots in 2020. So the George Floyd riots were in May of 26th to June 8th. And those were during the time where those fires and stuff looting and breaking and entering. They caused damage of one to two billion dollars, depending on the estimate you go with. Now, very little has been said about these people being tracked down or prosecuted, but when you compare to politicians talking about the January 6th riot, there have been several committees in the Capitol to try and Identify and arrest these people. They've been talking about was President Trump involved? Was he encouraging these people and everything? But see, the two riots were being used for the agenda of the Democrats. And I know you're going to be angry at me for saying Democrats, but by and large, that these committees have been led up by Democrats. Sorry, those are just facts. Now, in the one, it was to vilify those who. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little off track. Anyways, back on track. One was used to vilify the conservatives who had suspicion about the election integrity. And like I said, there have been several committees. Whereas the George Floyd riots, some, what's what we're looking for? Some of them approved and even said that this is what they needed to stop racism. Uh, we've seen how they are using the, ah, here it is, on track, I'm saying, that many people were posting about the looting that they were doing. Many people were scrolling on social media. They were like going live with their Instagram or Facebook and saying, look at all this stuff. I'm going to grab this and this. I got TV. I'm going to get myself a video game. I'm going to get myself a player for it. Oh, I've been wanting that movie. I'm going to take it. And they're saying all sorts of things. And they're just rioting, looting from these places. And there's so much evidence. They could easily be convicted for their actions, but they have had nothing done about it to our knowledge and coverage of the mainstream media because the people of the Biden administration, a lot of the Democrats, approve of these actions. They agree with it. They say that the actions of the people are justified because of what they believe to be generations of injustice. Now, whether you believe that theory or not is completely separate from the fact that law and order needs to be kept within our society. And when you look at the double standard here, people who had reasonable concerns about the election integrity are being vilified versus the people who are no joking, rioting and burning and breaking into places, stealing from businesses, 
they aren't really getting any form of massive search and arrest mission. Nothing really is happening about that, to our knowledge. And so that's why we've heard nothing being done. The people approve was being done by one group, whereas they don't approve the actions of another. See the difference? Now, when we go back to Romans chapter 1, where he talks about how people in rebellion against God approve of those who practice that rebellion, we also need to think about the fact that while people in rebellion approve of others in rebellion, the reverse of people in obedience to God will also approve of those in obedience to God. Or according to my notes here, I say that those who are in submission to God and obey of his commands approve of those who do so and work to encourage others to live life by in this way. So if you've seen my blog or listened to the podcast episode, Spiritual Warfare's Forgotten Side, then you understand the principle I set up there that Satan will work to gain influence over people in positions of authority. On the same way, God has people in positions that are meant to be the counteraction to the moves of the devil. Let's look at the Senate and see a case in point of what's going on. We have Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat, and Josh Howley, a Republican. Both of these U.S. senators are in office, and they are on opposite sides of the spiritual war. Senator Warren wants to pass legislation closing down crisis pregnancy centers, while at the same time, her opponent, Senator Howley, is working on passing legislation to help protect these vile centers of life. Right now, we are seeing the fight to live out the words of Micah 6.8 happening in real time. And here's what Micah 6.8 says. He has shown you, O mortal, he is, sorry, let me retry that. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Think about that. For a quick moment. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But for you to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Just think about that for a quick moment. The way God orders his words is not an accident because the order is how we have to act and think and apply them. We have to act with justice and enforce it. We have to love mercy, which means that we seek to find a way to provide mercy while also seeking to do what is good in the eyes of the Lord. And humility is the antithesis of pride, which caused Satan to fall from grace. Sorry, it's a little bit late as I'm recording this, and I'm having a hard time speaking properly. So, as I was saying, humility is the antithesis of pride, which caused Satan to fall from grace. When you keep a heart of humility and acknowledge God's position in our life, we can fulfill the first two commands, to act justice and to love mercy. These two virtues seem to be at odds with each other, and it's only through God that we can find the rapid right application of both virtues, because God embodies them both. He embodies them both. Mercy and justice, he has them both at the right times and right, and right proportions according to the needs of the scenario. 
He seeks to do justice by bringing forth the guilty to punish them for their crimes, for he loves mercy. So, God makes a way to do this. But there's just one catch. It requires us to be humble. We have to admit our sins and confess them with repentance. Once we repent, we must turn away from these actions and no longer follow in, this, in their ways. Just as Paul says in Romans 6, 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to repeat it. Romans 6, 11 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This nation, as in the USA, is at a point where it can decide whether it wants to be dead in sin or alive in Christ. And I find it is fighting to come alive again, while Satan is fighting to keep us dead. As more of the sin is being brought forth to public knowledge and public awareness, it's causing revival and awakening within us. As it says in John 4, I mean John 1 verses 4 through 5, we're talking about Jesus, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines bright in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That means the darkness will not overcome. And if the light which you're talking about is Christ, which is the life, the life within him is the light of man, and that light of man exposes the darkness for what it is. Because of that light, we are able to distinguish good from bad. We are able to choose good, and that good, which is God, which is choosing to obey his ways, we have life. And that is why there's such a fight by Satan to overcome and to stop it from happening. To stop all the revelations, all the revealing of darkness, all the showings of what is evil. He's fighting to prevent that. Because when we see evil, we are able to tell it is evil. We are able to call it evil. And then we are able to choose good, which brings light. Because good can only come from God. And God is a true source of light. But that is only possible through Jesus Christ, who is with us. Who has made a way for us to accept him. So just let that set for a moment. Hear what he says in James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Where to resist the devil, which means it's going to be a fight. And we're going to keep resisting. But he will flee from you. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We resist the devil. We are able to keep resisting him because we have submitted to God. That's the key point. We need to submit to God, and that's what gives us the power to resist the devil. Right now, the devil has his claws in the states, the United States of America. But we are starting the process of submitting to God. And Satan wants to keep us from submitting to God because then we will have the power resist him. And Satan has to flee when we resist them through the power of God. So just, has anyone else realized that? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever noticed the importance of what's going on? That's something we have to remember. Keep in Christ. Keep trusting in him. Submit to God in your daily life. And as you go through life, submit to God. There'll be temptations. There'll be attempts to get you to stumble, to cease to make God. 
At those times, you need to choose to resist the devil, resist that temptation, as is written elsewhere. No man is tempted beyond what exists, but for every man that is tempted. Wait a minute, I misspoke. I said the verse. Okay, the verse I'm thinking of says, "No temptation has overcome you except for what is common to man." But when you are tempted, God will provide a way out, and that is important. We have to resist. We have to fight against. We have to submit to God, who will provide the way out, and then we will be able to leave that sin. We are able to leave the temptation. We're able to overcome it. And as we keep resisting by submitting to God, Satan will eventually flee because he knows he can't beat us, and we know that God is going to be with us in that. But it never specifies the time. It never specifies how long we have to resist. It just says resist the devil, which means it's going to be continual. Until he leaves. And once he's left, we need to keep ourselves submitted to God so that we will be able to win when Satan comes back at us. When Satan comes back at us. And I'm just going to say I'm already out of script from what I've written on the blog, but this is just so amazing to think about. And I can go on and on about this, and I know we're getting relatively long. So I'm just going to say really think about this. Really focus on submitting to God. And resisting the devil, knowing that he will flee from you. Continue to pray for the strength of this nation to continue resisting the devil. So we can submit to God. I mean, pray for the nation to continue submitting to God. So that we will resist the devil. So that he will flee. And through that, we will be able to have life and light and all the things we need from God. To sustain and be a strong nation. Under him and in submission to him. Because that's where the blessing is. Until next time, Godspeed and God bless.